Trade Talks, bringing you the best of the buy side. Hello and welcome back to another Trade Talks podcast. I'm joined by Annabelle Smith, our senior reporter at The Trade News. And today we're going to be discussing outsourced trading, which is a very hot topic. Welcome to the show, Annabelle. Thank you, Kai. It's good to be back. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a long time no see. We haven't been in the office. Well, I haven't been in the office for a while, but uh, that's just me locking down before I go away. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed you'll get there. Now, you actually spoke with someone a little bit earlier today in regards to outsourced trading. Do you want to give us a little bit more information about that guest? Yeah, so we had a, a really interesting interview with Mark Goodman, who's the global head of UBS's Execution Hub, which is their recently launched US outsourced trading desk. Um, and we caught up on all things outsourced trading, which, as you know, has been a very hot topic in the markets for the last year or so. Um, you actually did a documentary and a webinar on outsourced trading recently, didn't you guys? Yeah, it was one of the first documentaries I did at the trade, and it was a very exciting topic. I mean, it was quite interesting that the differences that we have today with outsourced trading compared to when we produced this documentary. Uh, the appetite was there, and there was slow movements, but was movements of people adopting the service. Now, we also found out that during the lockdown, that actually helped the increase the adoption rate and people's interest in it because it was becoming a more viable service because people were downsizing offices and it just meant that you had less traders at the trading desk in your office. So the documentary was actually split up into three parts, but there was also a full-length feature. So in the first part, we kind of explored what outsource trading is and the various models and arrangements that can be found. And then we started to see whether outsourced trading was actually saving people money for the asset managers. Then in part two, we kind of moved to find out who was paying for the service and whether the costs were justified. Then towards the end of the documentary, we kind of started to see what the conflicts of interest could be when taking out outsourced trading. And we started to find the other complex issues that traders and trading desks were facing. And then we kind of rounded it all off with conclusions from all our interviewees about the service and how they think it's going to go. So it was quite interesting because there was definitely some for and against points. And we did have a mixture of people who were involved with outsource trading, those who've uh, been on, let's say, not the nice side of outsource trading. But yeah, there was for the against there was some concerns that because you're going to be outsourcing it, the trade is going to be very commission driven. And then there was also that it could cost save you on costs when you're a small firm. But as you get larger, those costs could erode and the benefits might not be fully there. But for the four points, there was a lot there. And I think what I've seen over time is that those four points have come into fruition. We definitely saw that a lot of people were saying that now people are getting an appetite for outsourced trading. People were a bit cautious because they didn't really know what it was. But as we started to see big firms, uh, such as our guests uh, from UBS are offering a service, as we saw like firms offering services, the confidence started to started to appear for people to take on this service. Now, it basically gave a trading desk more capabilities because you basically could have a trader on the desk 24 hours for a specific area. So that was the benefit for these firms. But then there was also cost saving. Staff was a big thing. And then, like I said, paired with the lockdown and the COVID and 
people closing offices or just downsizing offices. I feel like that really teamed uh, with the whole outsourcing development. It was actually so interesting that we actually came back to a documentary with a webinar. And this is all content you can find on the trade website. You can find that on digital features and we'll provide links in the description. But we went and had a look back with the webinar with some of the guests who participated in the interview uh, throughout the documentary. So that's another good thing to kind of see the updates from. But yeah, Annabelle, what, what's new? What's been happening recently with outsource trading, which has caught your eye? Mm. Well, I think some of the points you made there are really important in that it's definitely become much more established in the market. I think certainly some of the content that we released last year, you know, it has proved a contentious topic. But I think that, you know, definitely recently, some of the larger major institutions, you know, they might not necessarily be adopting it, but they're certainly assessing it as an option in the market. I mean, we've seen obviously UBS's launch, which happened, you know, last year around sort of May time um, in the US, we saw AXA investment managers looking to launch an outsourced trading service for smaller firms. I mean, if you look back to this time last year in February, um, we covered a, a coalition Greenwich story, which found that a third of firms in the US were looking at outsourced trading. I think that the key difference here is that's definitely gone up and people are, are looking at it and seeing it as a potential option for them. I think one of the, the good things that you know we look at as well with, with Mark is the changing face of outsourcing. So it's certainly been something that's kicked off, you know, much like everything in the equities market and then it's spanning out. Um, fixed income is a big thing that's definitely growing. Cowan's fixed income outsourced trading division has been growing and growing. I mean, we saw John Oruk, who was Blue Bay's head of trading for 17 years. He moved over to Cowan recently to expand that fixed income division. It's just sort of, you know, finding new areas in the market at the moment and certainly just evolving to become, yeah, just sort of more applicable to, to different asset classes. So, yeah, it's very interesting to sort of see where it's going, how it's adapting. And I think, you know, that's some of the things that Mark and I look at in our interview as well. So it's funny you actually talked about Cowen because uh, Jack Sebald from Cowen, he was one of our guests and he was actually early days talking about the expansion of it and then seeing it now taking on new hires to expand uh, the outsource trading desk yeah, it's, it's nice to see that we were on the right tracks with the documentary and we were getting all the right predictions so let's go into that interview which we did a little bit earlier with mark goodman in person online and on the air it's time for the trade talks interview well, uh, welcome everyone to another episode of Trade Talks. Uh, today we're joined by Mark Goodman, the global head of the UBS Execution Hub. I'm Annabelle Smith, senior reporter at The Trade. Mark, um, this is your first episode on Trade Talks. So welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Very pleased to be here. Yeah, so today we are going to be talking all things outsourced trading, which has certainly been a buzzword in the market for quite a long time now, I'd say. So, um, the UBS Execution Hub, you guys launched that, I think it was in May last year. I mean, how, what sort of sparked that, that launch, Mark? Yeah, I mean, actually, the, the, the launch goes back to um, June 2020. Um, there was a number of drivers behind our decision to get involved in this market. Um, 
and I think some of them are, are, are less visible to to those external to UBS, and and to some extent, I would say there was um, uh, some some surprise that we were focused on this area. Um, but actually, what we did is in June 2020, we um, we moved the trading function for our global wealth management business into the investment bank. Um, so post that, we were essentially running a, a segregated buy side dealing desk within the investment bank, running outsourced trading for one client, which was the world's largest wealth manager. Um, and then com we combined that with another business, which is called Bank for Banks. It's been running for about 15 years, where on the same platform and people that we were using for wealth management, we were providing the same outsourced trading services to, to external counterparties across um, Europe and Asia. Um, so you can see that it actually as early as June 2020 within the investment bank, UBS Execution Hub was an outsourced trading desk for, as I say, um, UBS Global Wealth Management and about three hundred external clients. So even though I think there was a bit of a surprise about why we're why we're getting into this space, um, with that background and with that opportunity, it was pretty natural for us to start looking at the buy side um, and, and particularly looking at like the fact that we felt there was a problem to be solved. Um, so if you look at the dynamics um, that I think you know, fairly commonly discussed um, on the buy side. You've got consolidation, so the larger, largest are getting larger. Um, you've got um, those clients then facing significant complexity. You've got other clients are having to compete with the scale of these managers, but with a lower level of investment. Um, you've got disruption coming from new entrants, which is driving fee compression. Um, and you add to that picture um, the need to kind of expand your product offering to compete harder, regulatory change, technology change um, and and our observation was that there's definitely a problem to be solved there and and we felt that you know an outsourced trading offer, offering where we leveraged on what we were already doing but pivoted towards the buy side um, as a kind of global tier one bank we could bring something some kind of solution to help with that problem um, and and you know not just the cost point but also the competition point so that was why we got into this space um, and we started building out in January 2021. Um, and, you know, saying that you'll get into something and getting into it, clearly there's a fair, fairly large delta between those two things. Um, we essentially decided to partner with FlexTrade on the um, technology side, but but integrate that into the kind of core UBS technology. So we had to link it up to all our post-trade systems and, and controls, et cetera. So we kind of brought, you know, a good external provider together with the kind of best of, of breed technology we have in-house. Um, we had to get a, a new team in place in New York because we wanted to focus on US clients to start with. We had to link that up with our existing teams in, in Zurich to cover Europe and, and Singapore to cover Asia. Um, we had to do all the things you have to do in trading, like, you know, there's no shortcut around making sure you've got the right trade reporting in place, the right best execution rules, everything else you need to do to run a global business. Um, and we were really pleased that at the end of that process, by December, we had the first clients live from what was essentially standing start within 12 months. Um, could have been smoother during that period. I think we faced challenges we didn't expect, but I think the actual go live was was on time um, and we're up and running and we came into 2022 with, with kind of achieving our ambition, which was to be able to start competing for that buy side outsource trading business. Excellent. I mean, it sounds, it sounds like it's gone really well. I think, you know, there are certainly these, these, 
bigger themes going on that are putting pressure on the buy side, as you say, the sort of consolidation fees, reporting, um, you know, new entrants into the market, as all of those things that you mentioned. I mean, would you say that those things are driving a change in sentiment towards outsourced trading? I mean, the trade did a, uh, a webinar on it last year. And, you know, there was sort of um, mixed views on the role of it in the market, perhaps from maybe more traditional institutions. I mean, what sort of which sort of institutions are, are using your hub at the moment? Yes, I think in terms of if we think about client segments in terms of types of clients, um, you know, the traditional market has been very much um, kind of early stage, um, small to medium sized hedge funds, and particularly in the US where this market is very established. And we see and we're kind of able to respond to that demand. And that's very much what we what we expected. But our view is definitely there's a much larger opportunity going forward, and it's partly driven by um, that kind of um, macro environment that the buy side is operating in. Um, if I look at the active discussions we're having with clients when, since we went public, and, and as you say, we went public in about March last year that we were doing this, we've seen a lot of unsolicited inquiry and it's certainly not restricted just to hedge funds we talk to asset managers sovereigns corporates um, and if you add that to our existing business which is kind of wealth managers private banks then you kind of almost have the full range of client types um, i think where we're seeing some interesting develops developments is if you segment based on on aum so again you know the the initial starting point and the historical market's been that sort of um you know less than 10 billion uh, US hedge funds. Um, and, and that's definitely where we see the immediate demand. Um, but we've been surprised by the interest of larger clients. Um, but I think the discussion is much less binary, like less than 10 billion. It, it can be sort of like clients who want to not get involved in trading and completely outsource, or they maybe retain one to two traders um, to help direct traffic, but the majority of their execution is, uh, is, is actively managed by the provider. As we go up the AUM scale, um, we're kind of seeing a demand for like to help solve very specific problems, whether that's an asset class um, capacity that they're trying to build um, or a regional capacity or a, a, you know what we call an overflow capacity. Um, and I think to some extent, us coming into the market has, has prompted some of that. Um, I don't, I hate to use the word disruption because everybody loves using it um, and it's probably overused. But if you look at something like Airbnb, and we're certainly not Air, Airbnb, they, they certainly disrupted the holiday rental market. But as significant was the fact that by coming into the market, they increased the overall size of the market. So people who previously hadn't considered you know, either using or, or operating in the rental markets or a partner in the form of Airbnb, which which made it viable for them. And and therefore, the whole market got bigger. Um, and in the same way, I think historically larger clients who have not seen outsourced trading as relevant to them because they haven't seen a partner capable of meeting their needs. So they tend to manage the challenges they're facing internally, like by hiring and, and building more technology. What we're seeing from the incoming interest and the sort of shift that I think that we're seeing amongst the, the discussions in this is outsourced trading becoming a potential option amongst other options to help them build capacity, resilience and, and reach. And I think that's probably the change that we're seeing in the market, not a wholesale embracing of outsourcing, but outsourcing seeing as a useful tool amongst other tools to solve the problems they're facing. Mm. So almost like a way of sort of, you know, covering, you know, moving into different asset classes, maybe, or, or you know, more operational things like sort of hedging, you know, FX, 
uh, sort of things like that. I don't know if that's what you mean by the sort of moving into to different areas. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think, you know, larger firms are grappling with a number of challenges. Um, and as you say, it may be that they want to move into a new asset class, but they don't want to build that capacity internally. So outsource can be an option to help build that capacity either to get to market very quickly or to be able to kind of um, have that kind of overflow capacity. You're always trying to plan your trading desk for the busiest times, but that means that during the less busy times, you probably have excess capacity. Um, and outsource trading offers an option to be able to flex that up and down in a much more sort of variable cost way as opposed to just imposing a fixed cost on that solution. Mm. And is there, I know I've seen a lot of, you know, movement in the market um, with, with certain players in terms of expanding, you know, fixed income outsourced um, capacity. I mean, is that something that, that you've seen in the market as well? Is that something that you're you're catering for? Yeah, I, I mean, I think all asset classes are potentially in play here. And, and clearly, the traditional business has been very equity focused. Um, but there has been a lot of um, discussion around fixed income and, and how you tackle that. Um, we'll actually launch fixed income in, in Q2. And we think or, or the feedback we're getting from the market is that nobody's actually got it quite right yet. It's very different from from equities, um, mm -hmm. as, as any fixed income trader will, will, will tell you. And I'm, I'm an equity guy who moved into fixed income. So people have been explaining that to me um, for a long time. But um, we've actually been running outsource trading on fixed income in our in our historic business for, for many years. And, and we think we can leverage that experience to give ourselves a head start. And that's about you need a much broader broker network for fixed income than you do for cash equities because access to liquidity is so fragmented and, and we can kind of bring that from our existing business um, and be able to deliver that component. I think the fact that we're also a large like um, counterparty to be able to act as the counterparty to the trade so that the client who's outsourcing you to you doesn't need to onboard with all of that broker network directly with themselves, which creates a challenge of, of cost and maintenance and, and, and time. Bringing those two components, we think we can bring something very useful in the fixed income space. I would add that you know we're humble enough to know that the market is still trying to work out what that solution looks like. But I, I think our you know our counterparty status, the broad broker network we bring, and the fact that we've been doing this um, to a large extent for a number of years, we feel like we might be able to get something quite interesting into the market. And as I say, um, Q2 feels like a realistic. Um, uh, timeline for us to have the first clients up and running. Hmm. I mean, that sounds really exciting. So maybe currently at the moment, it's more sort of tag on to equities businesses in terms of those additional asset classes. Yeah, and, and therefore it sort of tends to sit in the sort of very liquid end of, um, you know, government bonds. So US treasuries, um, most people will probably need access to that. Um, I don't think that constitutes a full uh, fixed income asset class. I think our ambitions go beyond that, even to the less liquid side on corporates. Um, and again, that is something that we have been doing and we think we can bring that solution with some some changes to the buy side as well. Absolutely. Well, Mark, that's all been uh, that's been extremely insightful. I'm I'm very much interested to see how this this trend continues to develop over the next year because it's certainly evolving quite quickly. Um, but thanks very much for for joining me. No, thank you. As, um, as you say, we we remain very bullish on the market and the industry as a whole. So certainly excited to see how it develops from here. Absolutely. So yeah, that was our brilliant interview with Mark Goodman. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, very interesting to hear where outsource trading is heading and how institutional interest is evolving. 
definitely still one to watch. Yeah, and uh, just to let our audience know that the content we already have out there on outsource trading, it is available on our website. If you haven't watched the outsource trading documentary, you're missing out because it is our top viewed uh, video product on the trade. So it's definitely one to watch. Uh, I've been Kai Skahil. I've been here with Annabelle Smith. And thank you very much for tuning in again. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Trade Talks podcast, bringing you the best of the buy side.